Hello, everyone, and welcome to Early Childhood Chatter with Dr. Shipley and Dr. Hield. We will upload a new episode every other week on Wednesdays. Twice a month, we come to you with a 10-minute professional development that you can quickly listen to for new ideas to try. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for notifications about future episodes. I am so excited. Today we have Dr. Tanya Mooney, who is a faculty member at the University of Arizona Global Campus and is seeking to embrace, encourage, and equip students for their profession. She has experiences across many areas of an education, which include running an at-home daycare, serving as a principal for a pre-K to grade eight school, and building a preschool and elementary campus. I have had the pleasure of working with Dr. Mooney on several projects, and I have just adored my time um, with her and absolutely love learning from her. So Tanya, welcome. So great to have you today. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Hi, Tanya. So, so great for you to be here. Um, your session is called Bitter and Trapped, supporting the skipped generation family. This is such a relevant topic for so many. And I know even when I was teaching, it was relevant. So why did you choose this to talk about today? And why is it important to you? Well, um, starting in 2018, we were um, empty nest um, individuals. We were enjoying a, a home where um, our grandkids were um quickly um, growing and developing. And we landed in a situation where um, their parents could no longer care for them. And we ended up raising young um, grandchildren again. So you go from an empty nest to a house full of bustling commotion from a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and a five-year-old. So it's quite the challenge. Um, some have said it's a blessing and a curse, and I can, I can um, attest to both of those. So we are living the situation ourselves. That is so true. So what is a part of the title that um, we are putting in the show notes today, Bitter and Trapped, Supporting the Skipped Generation Family? Tell us more about that. Well, when I, when I consider the, the family makeup of a skipped generation and what we've experienced and what I've learned from others as well, um, often the grandparents are feeling very bitter for losing, losing out a, a time of their life where they thought they um, would not have some of the responsibilities of young children, and they also feel trapped. But I think it's even more important to put as our grown-up side's um, feelings mm -hmm. away and, you know, really look at the children. If we are feeling like that, we can only imagine what, what those poor kiddos are feeling because they've um, obviously been through some type of traumatic experience and they're not living in a situation that they may have wished for um, either. They want to be with their parents and they might feel like um, they're at their grandparents um, due to no doing of their own. So um, we want to look at it from both sides. So when I was in the classroom teaching, I had many children that were living with grandparents, aunts, aunts and uncles, um, and I talked to my teaching friends today, and it's still the same, and it's even getting more and more. Yeah. Um, so how, what are the challenges and of these emotions of these children that are adopted by their grandparents, um, different than children that you would adopt in a normal situation? Right. Well, and you know, I was really considering this question as well um, before the kiddos arrived. And I had gotten a book by Sherry Eldridge. It, she is um, actually adopted herself and she 
um, interviewed hundreds of individuals that had been adopted. And it was a book for those of you that just want to know about pure adoption. It's 20 things adopted kids wish their adoptive parents knew. And as I was reading the book, I could relate to so many of the emotions, the feeling of abandonment that is very common to um, adoptive children and wondering, you know, where do I fit in? But when we're dealing with um, skip generation parents, um, a lot of times, you know, they have started with their parents and they have had many years possibly with their parents. So not only are they feeling um, that feeling of abandonment, they're struggling with the complexities and wondering, so why wasn't I wanted? I know my parents and I see what happened and I'm confused what happened. What part of this was my fault? So there is a lot of overlap with um, adopted kids. However, the ones that are living with grandparents might also be triggered every single weekend or when mom and dad come back around. Um, when they see family pictures around the house, they look at them and um, they can land right back up in a situation where they're dealing with some of those raw emotions. So it's that constant reminder because you are still within the family unit of their parents and whatever situation they had to go through. Mm -hmm. Dr. Mooney, that's powerful. I, my heart is just, uh, I, oh my gosh, I want to do so many things right now. So we, a lot of our listeners are in early childhood education classroom. We really want to make sure we are providing strategies to support these children um, in these classrooms and environments. So do you have some strategies about how to support children? Yes, I'm going to give three of three strategies that I would really like um, for, for, you know, your emerging um, teacher candidates, those that are getting ready to be early childhood teachers to really consider as well, of, uh, as, well as those veteran teachers that uh, maybe are just wondering, what do I do with these children that um, seem to be struggling in the classroom? So I'm going to talk about how to empathize with the situation. I'm going to um, share how to be um, prepared for those challenging days and then um, to encourage you to provide that flexibility. So first off, please try to empathize with the situation. Again, that child is um, there in that household by no means of their own. And a lot of times it's the best case scenario. You know, a lot of people we hear say, well, wow, it just couldn't be any better how it worked out. It still doesn't mean that they're happy with it. I remember my little two-year-old when she first arrived with us, she had no verbalization skills. And the only way for her share, to share her frustration was to cry and cry she did. It was constant. Her preschool teacher asked me, you know, what do I do? And I say, what I've found out with her is I grab her up and I just hold her. And I say to her, you know what? I miss mom too. Your mommy is my daughter and I love her and we don't know where she is but I love her and let's just hurt together. And then we'll go ahead and have a good day. And it was just amazing that little two-year-old knew what I was saying to her. And she just wanted to know that somebody heard her hurt. So empathize, figure out ways to join in their emotions with them. Number two, be prepared for those challenging days. Um, if you knew a hurricane was coming, I want you to consider this. Would you fortify your home? Well, do the same for your interactions with these children because they can feel like a hurricane is hitting your classroom. Um, they, depending on the age, are going to have um, and stage, they're going to have various factors that affect their emotions in a given day. Could be angry, could be bitter. They could just be feeling um, more abandoned that day if they maybe had a tough go in the morning at home. They're going to act out. 
So be prepared and don't let it take you off guard. Have a plan B in place when that child arrives and, and you can see that that hurricane is on the horizon. And then number three, be flexible. There's going to be days when that student, that child doesn't get much done according to your lesson plan. So, um, and be okay with that because internally the flexibility that you offer is probably going to provide far further gains than an acad academic accomplishment. Um, some of the things you might do in being flexible is being willing to allow students to bring in that comfort item from home. Let them take a walk to the office or to another class that you've arranged with another teacher. Maybe allow an aide to step aside and give that child the extra attention that they need that day. Build flexibility into not just your lesson plan, but also your classroom management plan. Those are the three strategies I, I just think every listener should take away and put in their pocket. I love those because I think you're right. And thinking back when I was in the classroom, you know, I tried these so often when I had students that were coming from this situation, but it's something that not all of us have had to deal with. And when we were growing up, we didn't see a lot. So I think it's something new, but I think what's important is giving tips, or tips to grandparents too, because they're coming from a situation that they didn't think they were going to be in and that they really, it's different from when their children were young. So if they've taken on this role, what are some tips that you have for those um, wonderful grandparents that are stepping up and taking on this challenge. Right. So the very first thing that um, us grandparents have to do is communicate to the school and to the teacher the situation. Um, many times we get that, oh, I had no idea that you're the grandparents. We're young grandparents. So people just assume that we're their, their biological parents. We need to communicate the situation and that way the teachers can go into um, mode of what they do best and to support their families and their students. The other thing um, that I would give um, advice to grandparents, I'm an educator, so I had a bit of background on where to start and what to look for, but look for resources. Specifically look into trauma-informed education and care um, because it, it helps us explain why our children are behaving the way that they do. And it reminds us how to support them in school. Um, how even in school, you know, some of the 20 year differences that we did not have technology in school when our first set of um, students, um, kiddos went through. Now it's all that they use. So even to help grandparents get up to speed on some of the learning platforms that they use in the classroom can be so overwhelming. And that's, you know, just technical skills, not the emotional and the other resources that they're going to need. Dr. Mooney, I love that. We have the tips for, for, for our families, our grandparents, our children, and our educators. As we leave today, can you leave our, challenge, our listeners with one challenge? Yes. My challenge to you is to, um, if you haven't done it already, have a concerted effort um, in your teaching routine or repertoire to truly survey the families in your classroom to get to know and identify the family makeups. Um, there's so many cultural identifiers out there and familial makeup is one of them. Um, the better we know about family makeup, the better we can serve them. I challenge you to support the whole family needs, um, not just the child and not just the grandparents, but both of them together. Connect them to the resources that your schools might have because these, um, these families are struggling, they're hurting, and a lot of times they are just in survival mode. So you can be such a tremendous 
bridge for them in um, helping them start to function more like the typical family, if possible. Dr. Mooney, that was amazing. Thank you so much for being here today. That was a great insight. And I think that the more and more we come into contact with these kinds of situations, this information is going to be so useful. So thank you so much. Well, thank you both for having me. Again, it's just an honor and a pleasure. And I love all that you are doing to um, help um, all the listeners today. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Mooney.